Hey, hey, I'm your host, Wanda, and you're listening to the Tender Grace Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Tender Grace Podcast where we have candid conversations about our struggles and sometimes epic failures in our Christian walk and how God's grace meets us there to lift us up and strengthen us with his power and his truth. Hi friends, let's read Philemon, a very small book in the Bible. As I stated before in the Bible prep episode, it's commonly referred to as a book for easy reference, but it's actually a personal letter. It is found in the New Testament towards the back sandwiched between Titus and Hebrews. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and you can read along with whatever translation you like best. Okay, so this is how it's going to work. You can just listen, or like I said, you can read along your Bible, and afterwards I'll share with you a biblical truth with a life application. Then, sometime later, go back and reread on your own, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart about what you've just read and learned. Okay, guys, here we go. This letter is from Paul a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer to simply ask you, Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this letter with my own hand. I will repay it, and I will mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. 
So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that, my friends, is Philemon. While there are many lessons that we can learn from this story, the big idea here is forgiveness and reconciliation, the biblical response that Christians should have when they have been wrong. This is an Apostle Paul's shortest letter, but it's intense and profound in nature. He's asking Philemon to restore his relationship with Onesimus, his slave who stole from him. Not only is the Apostle Paul asking Philemon to receive Onesimus, but to also to treat him kindly. As Onesimus' master, it's reasonable to presume that he would have been deeply hurt and perhaps even angry with him for stealing. And I say this because when you become a Christian, God doesn't remove your emotions. You are not suddenly stripped of all feelings or your sinful nature. No. In the natural world, which is the physical world that we live in, our nature is to react and to act on our emotions and to do what feels right in the moment. But as Christians, we are commanded to transform our old way of thinking, living, and feeling. And we're only able to do this by depending on the Holy Spirit to help us take control of our emotions and feelings so that we do what is good and right in God's eyes. So before I get into the topic of forgiveness and reconciliation, I do want to take a minute to address what seems like an oxymoron. And that is the idea that someone could be a Christian and also be a slave owner. Now, for some and those who are very young in the faith, this can sound very off-putting if they don't understand what they're reading which is why proper context and proper understanding of the culture in biblical times is crucial for the application in our world today. The first thing to note is that slavery in the ancient world was widespread, accepted, and a common practice in the culture. The economy of Egypt, Greece, and Rome was based on slave labor. Now, the Hebrew and Greek words for slave are also the same words used for servant, bondservant, maid, maidservant, worker, and laborer. A person could become a slave for a variety of reasons. Some would self-sell and voluntarily seek out a master as a means of economic security because they were poor and needed food and shelter. For those people, having a master that provided their basic needs was more of a humane way of living and better than being on the streets starving and begging. It wasn't like there was a government-funded programs to house or support the poor like the modern governments of today. They didn't subsidize or, or provide housing, medical care, education, and food. At most, what poor people in ancient Rome, Roman times would have received was free bread. Anything else they wanted to eat was up to them to find and receive from other citizens. A second reason is that people would be enslaved because they fell behind on a loan payment or the loan could not be paid uh, at all. In that case, the individual or entire family would have to work until the debt was paid in full. A third re reason was a person could also become a slave as punishment for a, a crime committed. And the fourth reason um, were those that became slaves because of military conquest. Some were kidnapped from their villages and others were prisoners of war captured by the army of a growing empire. So as you can see, slavery was a deeply rooted part of the economy and social structure of the culture in ancient times. It wasn't a pressing issue, but Christianity was. Now, during the time of the early church, being a Christian came with its own set of serious problems. Christians were targeted, persecuted, imprisoned, and many were even killed just for believing and having faith in Jesus. They were persecuted by the Roman government for being a political threat, and they were also persecuted by some fellow Jews for being a threat to the religious way of life. 
Now, Philemon lived in Colossae, or depending, <laughs> you may want to pronounce it Colossae. Uh, either way, it was a region under the control of Rome. His slave Onesimus committed two crimes, even though the focus of the story really centers around one, which is theft. So the first crime was that he stole from his master, but his technically his second crime was to run away, uh, which were very serious at that time. No one was allowed to aid or hide a runaway slave. If they did, they could be held liable for any financial losses caused to the master. So if found, Roman law stated that upon the return of a slave, either by his own will or he was brought by, back by somebody who found him, his master could punish him and even have him killed. Philemon, a Roman citizen under Roman law, did have the right to have his slave killed if that is the route he chose to take. But I don't believe that that was the reason for the intensity or the intense nature of the letter. I don't personally think that the Apostle Paul feared that Philemon would have Onesimus killed. It will go against everything that he praised him for at the start of the letter because Philemon did have a good reputation and testimony amongst people. Now, the church in Colossae, still being a very young church, was going through some challenging times, specifically false teachers who were trying to take away the importance of Jesus and the gospel, which threatened not only the growth of new converts, but the, but also the spread of the true gospel. Verse six says, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. So for me, I believe the concern came from wanting this situation between Philemon and Onesimus to be resolved in such a way that not only would highlight the unique nature of the gospel compared to the other false religions or teachings of that day, but also because he couldn't because he couldn't be there in person to help resolve the situation, this letter would have to be the vehicle to help communicate the correct response that all Christians should have when they are wrong because of the power of the gospel to change people and to improve their character. Now, how Onesimus encountered the Apostle Paul is not clear. Some scholars believe that Onesimus specifically sought out the Apostle Paul and others say that it was just mere coincidence. But regardless of how that encounter came about, like his master Philemon, Onesimus ended up being converted and discipled under the Apostle Paul's ministry. We read that in time, Onesimus showed himself to be kind and helpful to Paul and his ministry. Onesimus, although now a new believer, was still guilty under Roman law and the penalty could be severe. This is in fact a delicate situation for everyone involved. For Paul, he was already imprisoned for his faith. And if a non-believer or even a Roman official found out that he was aiding and abetting a runaway slave, this could lead to more serious consequences for Paul. Breaking a Roman law when you're already hated by the Roman government, it's not exactly a good thing. For Philemon, he's a Christian leader of a church that meets in his own home. He is tasked with the responsibility of leading by example. After all, people on the streets watch and talk, and so do people in church. And, of course, there's Onesimus, who technically isn't in any position to receive sympathy from anyone. So here we have Paul asking for merciful treatment. He's asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus and to receive him back with kindness and love, and to no longer view him as a runaway slave who committed a crime, but as a brother 
in the same family of faith. Look what verse verse 8 says, where Paul says, this is why I'm boldly asking a favor of you. Then verse 10 says, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. Paul is asking his friend who has been wronged and likely hurt by what he Onesimus did to not only forgive the person who wronged him, but to treat him like he would if it were Paul himself visiting. This is no small request. I believe that Paul had to have known that Philemon would have needed guidance dealing with his feelings of betrayal, and he would need wisdom resolving this matter, not only for his sake, but for the sake of those new believers that come to his church. Paul and Philemon were devoted friends and met only a few years prior. And I'm sure that if it were really Paul himself visiting him, Philemon would have received him with open arms, showing him much love, respect, honor, and no doubt he would probably roll out the red carpet. So he's basically saying to Philemon, do for Onesimus what you would have done for me. So, you know, as I read this story, I just imagined that encounter as Onesimus showed up at Philemon's doorstep. Because remember, just, you know, uh, Christianity is not a blank, uh, uh, a, a perfect blanket that voids us of our emotions. You know, we, we still, we're human. <laughs> we feel things. And so Onesimus, he, I'm sure he was nervous. Perhaps maybe unsure that, you know, Philemon would, would completely forgive him. But he did go back on the counsel of the Apostle Paul. Now, his newfound faith would have taught him to trust in the Lord regardless of the outcome. And so maybe, you know, an awkward Onesimus, you know, sees Philemon. He was like, hi, <laughs> with the letter, you know, in his hand. Um, I have a letter from Paul. And, uh, oh, I also want you to know that like you, I received the gospel for myself. And now I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus. In my mind, I just picture Philemon reading the letter, then looking up at Onesimus, reading a little bit more, and then looking up at Onesimus again, all while trying to process all those emotions of betrayal that surely resurfaced upon seeing him at his doorstep, which, you know, who could fault Philemon? I could totally relate because when someone, someone has wronged us, when we see that person again for the first time, you know... You can't help but to feel awkward, uncomfortable. Um, you're trying to process your feelings in your mind. You know what you should be doing as a Christian, but then you have your feelings and your and your thoughts telling you something otherwise. And so that awkwardness comes from just trying to uh, figure out what you're going to do. Some people avoid that person altogether. You know, you see them coming down the hallway. You just go in a different direction, or you just try not to cross paths. You know that that's reality. Um, but, you know, in this case, he's receiving firsthand guidance as to what he needs to do. The big idea here is learning what forgiveness looks like lived out. As an apostle, Paul had the spiritual authority to command Philemon to forgive, but instead he gently and wisely appealed to him. He wasn't demanding or expecting him to just get over it. He was sensitive. He acknowledged the hurt when he said things like, notice, notice how in the beginning of the letter he starts with encouragement. He mentions all the good things that, he, that he's heard of Philemon. 
you he told he reminds him you have love and in and, and, and love for the saints and then he follows up with i am praying that you will put into action that generosity that comes for your faith and here making an appeal about a necessary action that needs to take place um he goes on to say things like because of our love i prefer to simply ask you consider this a request I appeal to you. I am sending him back to you, but I want to do, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I want you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. If he owed you anything, charge it to me. I write this letter with my own hand. I will repay you. Yes, brother, do me this favor. So here is a clear example that the apostle Paul wasn't expecting to Philemon to just eh, get over it. You know, you're a Christian, do the right thing and be done with it. No, he understand that there are human emotions um, involved. There, there are things that we need help processing. And so this was also a tremendous teachable moment. He was making an appeal to Philemon's heart by acknowledging the hurt. He was also creating an opportunity for Philemon to put into practice what he had learned, not with force, but with genuine sincerity. Both Jesus and the Apostle Paul taught about forgiveness. So Philemon would have certainly learned of the teachings on this topic. And who knows, perhaps this is the first time that he's faced with having to put into practice those truths that he had learned Um when he converted to faith and belief in Jesus. Now it's probable that Philemon would have just obeyed if Paul just said, forgive him period. That's it. No other explanation, just forgive. And he would have done that out of respect for the apostle Paul. But then the question is, would his forgiveness have been genuine? Would his heart have been healed? Would he have just obeyed and then buried the hurt that would later manifest itself in a different way. Then there's the next question. How could he then being a leader counsel someone else to forgive when he himself never truly forgave in his own heart? You see, the enemy is very crafty. He is very good at bringing up the past when we least expect it. And he usually waits until we are spiritually weak to bring up things that have hurt us. When we don't deal immediately with the hurt at the heart level, we open ourselves up for roots of bitterness to develop because unresolved hurt turns into bitterness. Paul's teachings were consistent and any uh, person being discipled under Paul's ministry would have for sure heard this. So in a separate letter written to the Colossians, he says, since God chose you to be a holy people, he loves, you must close yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. He taught about being kind and merciful, making room for each other's mistakes, forgiving offenses, 
in what we do to do it in love and to seek to live in harmony with one another. You see, as Christians, true faith is revealed in our ability to put into practice what we've learned, to not just hear something, but to live it out. So for Philemon, a respected leader in the Colossian church, this was a huge opportunity for him to demonstrate to others what forgiveness looks like when you have been wrong. Forgiveness has two parts. There is the spiritual part that God sees when we truly forgive in our hearts. And then there is the lived out part that others see that serves as a listing, living testimony of our faith. In the story of Philemon and Onesimus, we see that forgiveness involves treating the other person with kindness, not with anger, violence, ill will, hatred, or even revenge. Forgiveness is about not allowing the offense to take root in our hearts. This is essential for our spiritual health and growth. When someone wrongs us or when we do it to somebody else, it impacts the heart more than anything. For some, it breaks it into a million pieces, and for other, it cuts and leaves a gaping, bleeding wound. And the longer that we hold on to the hurt, have you noticed that the hurt just kind of gets bigger and deeper um, than what, what it was when you initially received the offense? But the Lord does not want us to live with wounded or broken hearts. And so when we have been victims of wrongdoing, forgiveness is the first step in the healing process because without it, there is no healing. What would happen to us had God, who is holy and perfect, not forgiven us? A firm condition for receiving God's forgiveness in our own lives is our willingness to forgive others. Have you ever recited the Lord's Prayer? I know for so many of us, the first prayer that we learned as children was the Lord's Prayer. And so as kids, we memorized it and just repeated it without giving it much thought. And I dare to say that many adults today still mindlessly recite the Lord's Prayer without giving it any thought. But let's take a moment to look at it again. And I'll be, again, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Um, and you can find it in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. <laughs> now, did you catch that part? The part that says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. In other words, we are praying, we're asking the Lord to forgive us with the same measure that we forgive others. And don't get mad at me for saying it. That's what Jesus said. That's what he taught. And it doesn't end there. Here's another verse with a stern warning found in Matthew 6, 15. But if you refuse to give, forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. If you wrong someone and you want to receive God's forgiveness, know that a prerequisite is that you must also forgive those who wronged you. I know, I know some of you are really feeling this truth because it's, it's confronting. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy to do. I'm not going to pretend like, oh, it's no big deal. But the hard truth is that it is required of us to do. And the reason it feels hard is because forgiveness feels like you're giving the person who wronged you a pass. But know this, my friend, that that is a lie from the enemy. 
I want you to understand this. Forgiveness is not about the other person getting away with hurting us. The Lord will take care of dealing with that person's unrepentant heart in selfish ways. Forgiveness frees our heart and mind from wanting to retaliate, which in turn is a setup for us to then sin against God. So the next time you are tempted to hold on to an offense, remember, in order to receive forgiveness, you must also give it. And it's better to obey and honor God above your feelings than it is to give in to them. Okay, friends, this concludes the lesson on forgiveness from the book of Philemon. Thank you for listening to Reading God's Word Together on the Tender Grace Podcast. If you were blessed by this episode, please consider sharing it with others and encourage them in their walk with the Lord, especially new believers in the faith who really do need constant encouragement and care as they grow and mature in the Lord. If you have not already subscribed, be sure to subscribe and don't forget to turn on your notification button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next time, keep going, keep growing, continue reading God's word, and more importantly, live out what you've learned.